Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight and open together to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 16. Before the message tonight, I, mean, I don't know, I mean, God's been doing some pretty phenomenal things here over the last several weeks, and, and uh, maybe we're going to take just a time. Are, are there any, does anyone have a testimony uh, that they'd like to share this evening of what God's been doing in their lives and in relation? Yes, Jeremy. We've got a microphone for you. Hold on here. That way everybody can hear you. Oh, crap. Oh, I'm not scared. Just tune it down a little bit. Recently, I've had to hide my name from online stalkers. I've had about 150 veterans, uh, interpreters, guys from Uganda working with us in Iraq, finding me from all over the world saying, hey, thanks for keeping me alive in those convoys over there, man. I was the front truck, you know. Everybody's life was on me, and I have people I haven't seen or heard from in 15 years. And I tell them, I don't remember names, but it, the second you show me a picture, I'm going to remember everything about you. I know it. And sure enough, this guy sent me a picture of him and his, his best friend who happened to be my roommate at Fort Carson when we were in Colorado. I'm like, I know Garcia, and I know you, Dan. I haven't seen you in 20 years. Like, how are you doing, man? Like, right off the bat, it's just, it's amazing what God is doing. And all I have to do is sit at my parents' house and watch TV or listen to music, and God is just all over the place. Um, and I found him when I came into this place. That's where I found God. I've been a Christian since I was four years old, but I haven't seen God in that church at all the entire time. I hate to say it. I just walked in, and God's like, what took you so long? And I'm like, I know, right? And it's amazing. And I think with that, I'm done, or I'll talk forever. Amen. Amen. I just, I just learned how to pay tithes online. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, we're glad you're here. <laughs> Jeremy says he wants to throw a party at his parents' house tonight. <laughs> Is there any other any other uh, praises? Yes, sir, brother Mike over here, Mike Mark. Do I have to use the microphone? Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank all of you that prayed for Marty. Uh, it was a month ago. I was on a Sunday. She went to the ER, and she spent ten days in the hospital, and she wasn't going to make it. And I can't help but think that was the prayer of the Christians to God. I would go home and cry every night. Because I'd spend the day with her and go home and cry. I didn't think she was going to come back. And uh, God brought her back to us. Amen. And she's back a month later. And uh, she's doing the best she can. <laughs> I just want to thank God for that. Amen. Amen. Yes, Terry Lynn. Um, I'm so grateful to God. Um, I'm glad that he's allowed me to watch him work. And um, through faith, I've just been praying and watching him work in a lot of different people's lives here at this place and in our lives and in my old churches, um, people I know from there. Um, one that comes to mind was a man named Bill, and um, he's 85 years old, and he went in the hospital with um, coronavirus and pneumonia, mm -hmm. double pneumonia, and they did not think he was coming out. Um, he was, you know, to the point where he was coughing up blood and things, and um, terrible on his wife of 65 years of marriage. So her being my friend and him being my friend, I was worried about both of them. They've never been separated before. 
they're very dependent on being together as a couple that God put together. And he's completely back to normal now. Amen. I mean, he gets a little tired, but I just kept praying and kept going to Linda's house and kept on my knees, on my knees. And I'm so glad that God has put them in my life. And um, another thing I want to praise the Lord for is finding this church. Um, I was really stubborn. I didn't want to leave my old church because I thought, well, I'm not going to really find a place that preaches God's word and people who actually apply it to their lives. It's going to be really hard. And let me say, if anybody is doubtful about that, it is hard to find a good Bible doctrine church. Um, so we went to a couple of places immediately. I did not feel like that was the place. Um, and God showed that to me. And so then we came here, and I just was like, wow, <laughs> it's so so great. You know, it's just so good to know that God was leading and guiding me that whole time, that he never left me, and all I had to do was be obedient. And that took a, a lot for me. <laughs> I was kind of dragging my feet on that one. <laughs> and he just started taking um, the service work out of my life, and it was just like I was just sitting in the chair doing nothing but listening and it, it just wasn't giving me what I needed anymore. And that's when I said, I just can't keep doing this. Something's wrong. Um, because I was scared to leave my church, to be honest with you. Um, and I just want to thank him for all the stuff that he's been doing in Harvey and I's marriage and in Harvey's business and in our lives. I'm, uh, you know, my children were raised up in Christ and in the word of God. And they have both gone out. And I'm opening my mouth now about it. And my daughter just went to church with her grandmother, Amen. Um, who is a pastor's wife in Kentucky, and they just went to church this morning for the first time in so many years. Um, I don't even know when the last time they walked into a church was, but she said she really enjoyed herself. And I asked her what they talked about in church, and she was actually able to tell me. <laughs> I said, okay, well, I'm just checking, <laughs> see if you were just visiting or if you were paying attention. <laughs> Amen. Any other Praises Cheyenne, all the way back here. Help Brother Jeff get his steps in tonight. Um, I think just days like today, uh, especially, it just makes you more thankful for the church family. Um, I think <clears throat> just the days that it just feels like more like a family, it just makes you so thankful that this is my church, you know, and... Um, I guess I'm just so thankful for um, just a lot of things that I have learned personally just through friendships here and just knowing that um, this is the biggest source of stability for my life personally. And um, man, I'm just so thankful for that. I'm thankful for the Lord and, and how he directed and um, just how he continues to work. Amen. All the way back here in the very, very back. Mr. Joshua. Uh, yeah. You, you raised your hand. Praise God for the house. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, the Linkies signed on their house on Friday and got the keys. Any other praises? Marty, yes. I see you. Welcome. First of all, I want to thank you who sent me all the cards and the gifts and the flowers and the food. It was well appreciated and wonderful. It lifted my spirits and all the texts. 
I'll tell you, God brought me through this, and I'm so grateful for a husband that took care of me. He did a wonderful job. And when you're at death's doorstep, you really begin to examine yourself, your life, and your relationship with God. And it brought me to the point I had to really think, am I saved? And I want to be sure. And God gave me the assurance and the comfort through the scriptures and through prayer that I needed. Yeah. And I don't want to go through that again. <laughs> Just take me. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me go hours wondering if I'm going to live or die. And I appreciate all of your prayers. And I just, Mike would tell me every day, these people are praying for you. And he says, they love you. And that really helped me. And the humor that Brother John brought to me <laughs> um, lifted my spirits. So thank you. And thank you for this church. And Pastor, thank you for everything you've done for our family. Yeah. Appreciate it. Amen. <laughs> Anybody else? All the way up front. All the way up front. <clears throat> uh, go back, uh, I guess, about a month ago. I uh, wasn't sure if we was going to I was going to make it home from Mexico, and uh, <clears throat> there was some <laughs> adversity there. Uh, and so I was uh, very uneasy. And uh, when I uh, called the, uh, the pastor, and uh, I mean, God really used him to calm me down, to comfort me. And then uh, we did a uh, kind of a group call with the pastor and and uh, Brother Hendricks men, and and then uh, the lengths that Brother Hendricks men and, and Pastor, I was willing to go to to, to get me home, and uh, I was just just so blessed by that. Uh, that's one testimony. Can I give another one? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> uh, last Sunday, uh, uh, when Brother Reynolds uh, was speaking, he shared something that him and his wife do. Uh, they, they read the scriptures together and pray. And uh, uh, that's something my wife and I had started. And uh, it, I guess it was two weeks ago, wasn't it? Uh, it's something uh, my wife and I have started. And uh, it's been a real blessing. And what's exciting to see is uh, the prayers that we say together, we're seeing answered. And uh, there's a lot of answers to the prayer taking place uh, in this church. And it's Amen. just so exciting. It's getting to the point where if you miss a service, you're missing something big because uh, God's moving here. Just so grateful for that. Amen. Any other testimonies? Brother Billy. I just um, I want to thank the Lord and just thank the church for the many things that's been going on, just seeing the growth of the many people here and the new members coming on um, and just 
how it's written and how I've read it is you just work hard and don't expect an outcome for your work, don't have many expectations, um, and just keep your head down and keep working. And uh, the many things I've had going on at work, and I've had a few eye-opening experiences there, and um, just finally getting to the point of understanding that my boss is behind me on what I do and how he's able to back me up and uh, how I can actually just pray at work in the morning of Lord help me through the day and help me get home safely that night and no matter what situation I go through how many scary moments I have at work I'm able to get walk through that door at night when I um, am able to see my family and just the blessing my wife's been to the, the kids and um, our family in general and just being able to see the brilliance of my son and my daughter grow and just how God's been in our lives and all of it and how he's blessed and multiplied in our family greatly. And I just, just praise him for that. Amen. Sherman. Um, that in Vohaka, we just pray that they don't have as many earthquakes like I praise the Lord that they don't have as many earthquakes that they usually have amen amen any other praise this night brother Randy right back here on the aisle um, I like everything that's going on in our church it's been a blessing to Denise and I um, anybody who gets a chance next year go to that couples conference fantastic um, made some new friends. Um, pastor was uh, gracious enough to uh, meet us up on top of a, a mountain to renew our vows in the place that we originally got married. Amen. We almost didn't get down. <laughs> Someone had a panic attack in the van. Was it me? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Anything else we can thank the Lord for tonight? Leona? All the way up here, to, got Leona. I first pray for my mom and my dad to help me feel by and first have a selfie nose and have us have us love me and listen it forever. <laughs> and I first love my dad yes. so much. I never first love him so much. Amen. Yeah. Sounds like she loves you, Billy. <laughs> right down here. Hey. I just want to thank the Lord. My brother was in a hospital. He had that COVID-19 and he had pneumonia in one lung. And I just prayed for him. And I... What I experienced while he was in the hospital, I went through Dickens. But I just prayed, and I asked the Lord, I asked the pastor to help me pray, and it's working out. I mean, the problems I had, I'm starting to work them out. And if you know, if it wasn't for you guys here and and the Lord, I could never get through this. I was. I was down just so deep that I just couldn't 
and didn't know which way to turn. But I just want to thank the Lord on that. Amen. Never go wrong turning to the Lord. Brother Jamin. Today was kind of full circle for me because of Pastor Perron. It was just so great to see him and uh, made me reflect a lot in the last three and a half years since our family's been up here. Um, just how thankful I am and knowing that God put us here for a reason. Um, I think just three and a half years ago, you know, we were thinking about, should we really move up here? And I think, I mean, having a church plant here in Pickerington um, has been a blessing to us and I'm just thankful and it was just very encouraging this morning of you know what's happened over the last last couple of years in this church i'm thankful for it amen remember when jamin and Lindsay they'd signed papers on their house then came over to our house emeline was just brand new i mean brand new praise the lord for your family anything anyone else tonight well praise the lord aren't you glad that god is is at work in our lives Let's, uh, let's take our Bibles tonight and, and look briefly this evening. And I, and I say briefly, but it may not be brief. You know me. Um, in Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter 16. I did not intend to preach this particular message tonight. But as I came back this afternoon, sat in my office, and I just didn't have peace about preaching the message I had prepared. And so, so Lord, what do, you, what, do you, what do you have for us? And, and after, after, a mo after a morning like God gave our church, what a, what a powerful service that was. Um, where do we go from here? That's the question I ask myself. God, what do we, need, what do, we need now? Where do we go from here? What, uh, what needs to change? What, what should we emphasize? And, and, and I remembered that a long time ago, I had written three things down on a post-it note and stuffed it in the desk drawer in my office. And I pulled that out. I looked and I said, this is exactly what we need. This is what we need to be reminded of tonight. And if you're able, I invite you to stand with me as we read this evening, beginning in verse number 13 of Matthew chapter 16. The Bible says this, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, Jesus, of course, there speaking of himself. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Father, we thank you for the word of God tonight. And Lord, over the next few moments, we ask that you would help us to kind of regather ourselves. And Lord, that we would rally uh, together concerning three uh, pivotal things concerning today, uh, the Word of God, and our responsibility. And so, Father, we pray that you'd open our hearts, and Lord, that you'd open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things from your law. God, that you would challenge us and help us tonight to live by faith and to see 
of what these things are that, that you'd have us do and that you'd have us continue. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention, of course, to the, to the powerful statement that Christ makes in, in verse number 18 of Matthew chapter 16. Jesus says, I will build my church. Consider the, the significance of the local church. As I look back over my life, every significant thing, every positive thing in my life, every great thing, every glorious thing, every wonderful thing, has taken place in the local church or because of the local church. You take the church out of my life and there probably would be very few things that uh, would be praiseworthy. But I'm thankful for, uh, for, for church. Of course, uh, church is, is significant. The Lord loves the church. The Bible says that he, that he gave himself for it. He loves us dearly. Uh, the, but if we were to define the church, of course, we'd define it as uh, a saved group of baptized believers who voluntarily join themselves together to carry out the Great Commission. The church, it's the body of Christ in a community. Locally, we understand the great significance, the role that God has given us here in this, in this local body to accomplish His will and His work. I'm reminded of, of something that God just re, that, I, that I read recently. And, and the fullness of the church, the fullness of the promises, the blessings of God are in every local church. And we thank God for His goodness and grace in our lives. I want you to look with me, please, in the book of, of Acts, Acts chapter 13. <coughs> I ran out of. Cough drops here. Hold on. Ah, I still have one. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the church, it's significant. God has called us to, to, to strive together for the faith of the gospel. The church is comprised of people. Um, actually, let's hold our place here in Acts chapter uh, 13. And look, if you would please, the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 2. <clears throat> of course, Jesus Christ is the foundation. He says, upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. But I'm thankful that you and I together uh, are, li are lively stones. And you and I, the Bible says this in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisy and envies and evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so, if, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I, think, I believe this morning uh, we've, we tasted how gracious God is. Isn't the Lord gracious? Uh, how he just so freely and abundantly gives, how he blesses, how he works in, in the hearts and lives uh, of, his, of his people, how he works in the life and ministry of, of his local church. But, but God is gracious. He's gracious in that he has saved us. Consider the so great salvation that God has, has authored to us. 
Uh, the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God is, God is gracious. <clears throat> None of us here tonight deserve anything that we have. None of us deserve any of the, of the blessings. None of us deserve any answers to prayer. None of us deserve any relationship with God whatsoever, but he's gracious. And then, not only is salvation a wonderful thing, but so too is the local church. And in, excuse me, the Bible says in verse 4, it says, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Mark that, that term, living stone. Who is that? Who is the living stone? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. He's the rock uh, upon which we build our lives. He's the, he's the rock of our salvation. And the Bible goes on to say, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. The word of God says in verse 5, ye also as lively stones. Ah, thank you very much. Lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Mark the, word, the term lively stones. That's you and me. Uh, we, we're able to live for God. We're able to serve God. We have a relationship with God. We are, we, our lives can be beneficial. Our lives have purpose and meaning because of Jesus Christ. And as we look around the room tonight, of course, the Bible says, Upon this rock I will build my church. But <clears throat> Jesus Christ is the foundation. And you and I are built upon that foundation, the spiritual house. What a, what a remarkable truth that God has allowed us to enter into. This church, this lively, these, these lively stones, this living stone, Jesus. Would you look back with me, please, in Acts chapter number 13. In Acts chapter 13, we find the story uh, or the, the record of the model church, which is the church at Antioch. It was through this church that, uh, the, that evangelism, that really world evangelism uh, took shape through the ministry of, of Barnabas, the ministry of Saul, who eventually became uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul. But the Bible says this in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 1. The Bible says, now there were in the church. <clears throat> you know who these are? These are all lively stones. Now these, these men that, that God references here in verse number 1 of Acts 13, the Bible says that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul the Bible says, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. They went forth and they, they served the Lord. They went from locality to locality, from place to place, geographically, preaching the gospel, planting churches, uh, discipling converts, and doing a great and mighty work for the Lord. This is the church. The church, why don't you write this statement down, please? The church is the vehicle 
through which God works today. The church is the vehicle through which God works today. We must never underestimate the local church. We must never undervalue the local church. We must see it as God sees it, a place where God blesses so long as we follow his word in sincerity and in truth. But it's our desire to not lose sight of what God has set before us. And, you know, as we look around, like, what next? What must we do? And I'm persuaded that, that we must not do anything different than what we've already been doing. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We just need to follow the word of God. And as we consider what the church is and and what God desires to do in and through our lives as we come as we have joined ourselves together for the great work that God has given, what should we emphasize? Well, to write these three things down just briefly tonight, we'll touch on them. But number one, Pickerington Baptist Temple should be a waiting church. A waiting church. What does it mean to wait? (laughs) Of course, to wait means to uh, kind of expect somebody. You're waiting for an answer. You're waiting uh, in line. You're waiting for something. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I get tired of waiting. Don't you get tired of waiting? But the great question is, what are you waiting for? I want you to look at what the Word of God says in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Of course, the Bible says here in chapter 3 and verse number 5, He says, The Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. May I tell you that everything we do revolves around this very principle. This waiting for Christ. Do you believe that Jesus is coming back? Yes. He, te- he, te- he has told us that he is. Yes. And, and as, may we echo what John the Apostle said uh, as Jesus promised at the end of the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ saying, Behold, I come quickly. May we say, Even so come Lord Jesus. But we are to wait patiently for Jesus Christ. Now so oftentimes. This, uh, when we wait, we think of, of idleness. But truly, waiting for Christ in a very biblical sense is not waiting idly. Uh, we're not waiting uh, carelessly. We're not waiting frivolously. We are waiting expectantly. We expect Jesus Christ to come back any moment. The Bible promises that. The only reason Jesus has not returned is because he's waiting for people to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in, in 2 Peter uh, chapter number 3, it says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And remember, the, the great question was, well, why hasn't Christ returned yet? He says, well, one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. But Jesus is coming back. And may he find us faithfully serving him. You see, to, to, to a waiting church is a church that is busy. It's busy about the Lord's work. 
Remember in Acts chapter 13, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, uh, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. They were busy about the Lord's work. We're busy about so many lesser things today in our society. There are so many things that, that jockey for our attention, that, that buy for our affection. But may I tell you, we just need to wait patiently for Christ and serve Him. I want you to look at what the Word of God says in, in the book of Titus. In Titus chapter number 2, the Bible says here, For the grace of God <coughs> that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live. Would you mark that statement in your Bible? We should live. What does it mean to live? You know what? So many, so many of us, though we have breath in our lungs, though our heart is circulating the blood uh, throughout our bodies, though our brains are functioning somewhat tonight, speaking for myself, we have, we have signs of physical life. But so many of us are not living. We're not living according to what God has set before us. And he says, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And he says this in verse 13, says, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, to, to, uh, who, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of what? Good works. You and I, we are to be a waiting church. But waiting means working. Working is waiting. Not working to merit grace from God, but working because of our love and devotion for Him. Because of our earnest expectation that Jesus Christ could at any moment return. And may we labor from the ma for the Master from the dawn Till setting sun. Notice the second thing I we'd like to emphasize. Not only a waiting church, but may we be a worshiping church. A worshiping church. Look, won't you turn with me to the New Testament book of John, the Gospel according to John, in chapter number four. In John chapter four, of course, Jesus is, is in Samaria. And he has even made the profound statement that he must needs go through Samaria. And as he arrives there, the Bible says in verse 7, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away from uh, way into the city to buy meat. And then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is, how is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, 
if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus is the water. He is the one that satisfies. He is the one that, that, uh, that relieves that parched soul, that thirsty soul. And, and he's paving the way here for, for the great application that he's about to draw. The great conclusion, the great decision that he's about to, uh, to engage this Samaritan woman with. The Bible says in verse number 15, The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I may thirst not, neither come hither to draw. How many of you would be satisfied with living water that you would never thirst again? It's Jesus. Not physical water, but spiritual water. It's the salvation that he provides. The Bible says this. Jesus saith unto her, verse 16, go, go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that sayest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Well, she's headed the right direction. He is a prophet, but he's more than a prophet. He was a priest. May I tell you, he's the king. The Bible says in verse number 20, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say... In Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. In verse 22, Jesus says this, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when, notice, true worshipers. Would you mark that statement in your Bible? True worshipers. And this is something that, that God is working to bring us all into understanding of. To be a true worshiper. What does it mean to be a true worshiper? The Bible says this, uh, True worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. In truth, what is worship? The world does not understand what worship is. Uh, so oftentimes in, in modern, in, in pop culture, because that's basically what the modern church is. It's the manifestation of popular culture. And it's infiltrated the church, and there's much more we could say concerning that. 
But people think that worship is just music. But may I tell you, it's much more than, than instruments. It's our conviction. You know, I want to encourage you, I want to help you formulate a biblical theology of music. Because music is theological. The song we, we sang this morning, I Found the Way, how deeply theological was that song? That was rich, wasn't it? And the Bible says that there's a difference between the holy and the profane. You know, we're not going to have a Rolling Stones production here on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights. Because there's a difference between the holy and the profane. The worship of the true God is distinct. It should sound a certain way. Because it's not geared toward the flesh, but toward the spirit. The Bible says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's amazing that God the Father is looking for true worshipers. Jesus Christ has made it possible for you and me to become true worshipers. So often what is taking place in churches today is worship not designed for the saved people, but for the unsaved. And may I tell you that unsaved people cannot worship God. We've placed the emphasis in the wrong place too many times. True worship is based upon spirit and truth. And, and, and friends, you and I, it is important that, that we understand exactly what this involves. That it's not man-centered. That it mustn't be trendy that it must be scriptural and spiritual and obedient. Biblically, worship is tied to giving something to God. It's an offering. The, the word worship has its roots, or finds its roots from the word worth. We ascribe value to something or to someone. And, and the Lord is the one that, that we are to worship. We're to worship Him according to John chapter 4, in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. But I'm reminded of what David concluded. Why don't you look with me, please, all the way back in, in 2 Samuel chapter number 24. 2 Samuel chapter 24. The final the final chapter of 2 Samuel verse 24 he is, David has sinned, he's numbered the, the children of Israel and now God has sent a plague David chose that uh, to, for, for God's hand to be against Israel rather than his enemies to be against Israel God is gracious however I believe it was 70,000 people died because David disobeyed the Lord. 
And now pestilence has come. And David looks up and, and God stays the angel that, is, that, is, that had brought the pestilence upon the nation. And he sees this angel in the sky above a certain place. The Bible says in verse, uh, verse number 16, it says, and, and when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him of the evil and said, to the angel that destroyed the people, it is not, in, or I'm sorry, it is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the, uh, of the Lord was by the threshing place of Arun of the Jebusite. And David spake unto the Lord when he saw the angel that smote the people and said, Lo, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, be against me and against my father's house. And and Gad, who was a prophet, came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Arun of the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. And Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants uh, coming toward him. And Aruna went out and, and, and bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. And Aruna said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Aruna said unto David, Let my lord the king take an, uh, take an offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice, and threshing instruments, and, and other instruments of the oxen for wood. All these things did Aruna, uh, as, as a king, give unto the king. And Aruna said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. But notice what the Bible says in verse 24. And the king said unto Aruna, Nay. Aruna says here, Take all of my things. Take all of my, take these possessions. This was his livelihood. Just take it and use it for whatever you want. Free of charge. And David said, No. I can't do that. I will not do that. He says, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. But in verse 24, we see a, a, a a grand picture of what worship involves. Worship is an offering that costs us something. May I tell you, so oftentimes why, and this is why we need to guard our hearts. The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Because if, if when we offer the Lord the sacrifice of praise, when we sing, O Lord my God, when I, thou an awesome wonder, or when I an awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hands have made. We sing the great hymns of the faith. When we offer to the Lord the sacrifice of praise, may God help our lives match. Do you realize the sacrifice of your mouth is, is vain if it is in contrast with your life? May, may our lives be consistent 
May our lives be genuine. And a word we looked at, just was it last Sunday night, unfeigned. May our faith be unfeigned. Without hypocrisy, genuine. May we be the real deal. I want to be a worshiping people. I want to worship God in spirit and in truth. I want to offer the Lord the sacrifices of praise. I want the Lord to hear and be pleased. A sacrifice of a sweet smelling savor unto the Lord. I don't want my life to stink. Nor do I want your Christian life to stink. But what is this what does this look like? What does a worshiping life, what does a worshiping church look like? It's not confined to Sunday. We gather together on the first day of the week in commemoration of Christ's resurrection from the dead. But the Christian life is not confined to Sunday. It's an everyday thing. So look at what the Bible says all the way back in the New Testament book of, of Romans. In Romans chapter number 12. And this is the struggle. May I tell you the struggle is real. In Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, again, a very familiar verse. But please don't miss what God has for us because of its familiarity. The Bible says, look there in verse number 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. Would you mark that statement? That ye present your bodies. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The worship of God's people is a daily, it's a daily activity. It's a daily discipline, perhaps that's a better term. But it's something that we enter into all day, every day, our whole lives. And the greatest act of worship, the greatest act of worship you and I can give is ourselves. It's ourselves. The danger with the living, the living sacrifice is that it has the, the possibility of getting up off the altar whenever it wants. That's why the Apostle Paul said he had to die daily. Moment by moment, we need to trust the Lord. Christians, may God help us. Look what the Bible says. Back in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 6. We see the, the testimony of the man of God. As... Isaiah catches a glimpse of heaven's throne room. And he see how he sees God sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, exalted. His train filled the temple. The cherubim are there. 
worshiping God. But he heard a voice. The voice of him that sat on the throne. The Bible says this in verse 8. He says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I. Send me. The greatest act of worship we can give God is the the living sacrifice of our lives. Moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Christians, I want to see God use us. But may the motivation of our hearts be pleasing in His sight. What's the final, the final prayer request I have for our church tonight? Not only that it would be a waiting church, waiting for the Lord's return, a worshiping church, offering ourselves continually to the Lord, but last and certainly not least, May God help us to be a witnessing church. A witnessing church. Would you look back in the New Testament book of Acts, please? In Acts chapter number 14, Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey. They've come to a place called Lystra. The Bible says in verse number 6, and they they were aware of it and fled unto unto Lystra and Derby, cities of uh, Lyconia, and under the region that lieth round about. And in verse number 7, the Bible says this, and there they preached the gospel. We need to be a witnessing church. The Bible says there they preached the gospel. May I tell you that, that Barnabas and Paul were not doing anything in, in Lystra that they had not done in Antioch? This was the pattern of their lives. And, and I believe because they were willing to go, because they were, because they were waiting, uh, they were working together in the church, uh, because they were worshiping the Lord, they had offered themselves to Christ. The Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work to I've called them. So they go and they go out on this journey. And yes, they encountered hardship and difficulty. But may I tell you, they were obedient and they preached the gospel everywhere they went. Why would they do such a thing? Well, we can look back in Acts chapter number 1. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says this, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Witnesses. Before you can... Be a, before you can witness, you must first be a witness. In other words, the noun comes before the verb. You have to be a witness before you can witness. You have to first know Christ as your Savior in order to be a good witness for Him. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the earth. You know what I'm thankful for this time of year? I'm thankful that for warmer weather. Aren't you thankful for warmer weather? I'm thankful for daylight savings time. Sometimes. Only in the fall when I gain an hour of sleep. Not so much in the spring when we lose an hour. But I look around, I see as seasons change, the, the emphasis that needs to be reinstated or that needs to be revived in our hearts. What is this emphasis? Well, Jesus said that for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What's the emphasis that you and I are to make? We're to be witnesses of him. Would you look, look with me, please? The book of Matthew, chapter 4, as we close tonight. Matthew, chapter number 4. We find here a great passage of Scripture. The fishers of men. Look what the Bible says in verse 17. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. I remember walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee there in Capernaum, this very place where Jesus called his disciples, where he told them to become fish, that he was going to make them fishers of men. It's the same place where Jesus asked Peter, Simon Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Speaking of the fish that he had caught after Christ had risen from the grave and how Peter went back fishing. But notice what Jesus says. And understand this. Peter wasn't supposed to catch fish anymore. Those days were over. He was good at it. And maybe there was a time and place for it. But that wasn't to occupy his life as it had before. And Jesus says this, and, and, and as I and just kind of place yourself there in Peter's mind, do you think that Peter remembered some three and a half years earlier where Jesus was walking by, the shore, walking by him there while he was mending his nets? And how Jesus made the statement, look at what the Bible says. And, and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You remember, you think Peter remembered? I mean, he just had the catch of his life. 53 ginormous fish. Love us thou me more than these, Peter. You know what Jesus did? He gave him the choice. You realize what Christ did? Peter hadn't been fishing. He may have owned his boat. He may have had all the equipment. He may have sold it all. We don't know. But what we do know is that catch of 53 giant fish 
was more than enough to get Peter started back in the fishing industry again. Lovest thou me more than these? Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. And no doubt his mind went back to these early hours of Christ's, life, Christ's presence in his life. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. You see, the, the reality is God has called all of us to be fishers of men. And sometimes we put the cart ahead of the horse. I want to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I want to tell people about the Lord. I want to see people come to know Christ as their Savior. But the reality is only Jesus can make you a fisher of men. And the only way you can be a fisher of men is if you learn to follow him. You have got to place Christ first. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If we genuinely learn to follow Christ and walk with him and develop a relationship with him, naturally we will be fishing, fishers of men. May God help us be a waiting church. May God help us be a worshiping church. May God help us be a witnessing church. May the Lord help us tonight not lose sight of what he has set before us. May we be faithful. Jesus said, I will build my church. Aren't you grateful for the promises of God? May I tell you, he always does his part. May we do ours. May we follow him in sincerity and in truth. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. In just a moment, we'll pray and seek God. But let's stand to our feet tonight. I just wonder how many of us this evening, God has done some very special things today. We are recipients of His goodness and grace. I wonder how many of us tonight would just be willing to vacate our seats and make their way down here to the front and spend some time with the Lord right here at the altar. And ask God for his continued work and blessing upon this local church.